Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. Say moi. How you doing? Pleasure to hear you, see you, whatever. 8.14, that's what it is. I mean, not the time, that's the date. And uh, it's a Tuesday, and that means my sister is on the line, Susan, in Chicago. Hello, Suze. Yeah, isn't it a miracle I'm in Chicago? I know. You're actually where you're supposed to be. That's good. <laughs> I unpacked for the first time <laughs> good. in what felt like months. I don't know how people, there's lots of people who live out of their suitcases, you know, for their work and stuff. I can't imagine. I would be. Yeah, I just kept taking out underwear and putting clean underwear in. But by the time I got back this time, it was really time to do the wash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I mean, just a few, well, whatever. Hey, um, lot, lots what? of, what? Hey, lots of stuff, I think, to talk about. I just want to say something. I just want wing by you one thing that I'm sure I've said before, you know, and said, how the hell is, what, how is this possible? What's going on? It's just that I was opening all the mail that accumulated when I was gone. And uh, one is from uh, my supplemental insurance company. You know, uh-huh. I, you have uh, Medicare <laughs> when you're an old person, and then you have your supplemental. So I got this. You know, it was the classics. This is not a bill. This is an explanation of your benefits. And and just rounding it up, here it is. Uh, it is just for a period of one month. And my medical bills amounted to $9,714. Now, Susan, during that month, nothing catastrophic happened to me. Nothing $9,714. It says here... Well, you had some tests run for which they charge thousands of dollars for going through the revolving door. Of the 9700 Medicare did say, okay, yeah, we'll pay 500 Essentially, I'm rounding it a little bit. Okay, that's 500 And then the supplemental guy said, all right... We'll throw in 360. So, what's left of the 9,714 bill is essentially pretty much $9,000. And then it says, you may owe, and I cringed if 9,000 was left, I may owe nothing. That's right. Now, Explain the absurdity of this system. Because that's what the person who has private insurance or no insurance is going to be billed with different results. These are negotiated prices with these carriers for this service. That's why our health insurance doesn't work. It's just, it's, it, it, depending on who you are and whether you've got a powerful enough lobbying force behind you, you get a negotiated price that holds you pretty much harmless. That's why when people say, uh, you know, Medicare for all, I'm going, I'm 
think to myself, well, it's working pretty well for me. Yeah, me too. Because uh, um, I, I, I can tell you that my the last year that I was quoted a private, you know, a by, by Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, for a, for a top notch policy, uh, which you know it, when I had a dire experience with as my husband fell ill and they pretty much paid for everything, no questions asked. But you know the last quote that I had from from them was fifteen hundred dollars a month. And that was a, a few years ago now. So uh, now I pay at least $1,000 less a month, and you and I pay more because we have actual income still. So to the extent that you have income, they you oh, pay yeah, more yeah, for, I this, know. For, As I should. for your Medicare than other people As I that should. don't. Of and course. I should, and I don't care. And even yeah. with paying more, You're paying I am less saving $1,000 a month, and I pay virtually nothing for prescriptions. And I pay virtually nothing for any of my health care, which, by the way, to this date, I have had absolutely no problem accessing anywhere. Well, um, this is insane. Is that correct in your experience? Well, yeah. So the 9,000 is what somebody without health insurance is expected to pay. And would be billed. And, of course, they probably do not have health insurance because they can't afford it. Because of what it costs. Well, as if and, they can spend, as if they can pay nine thousand for. It. And I have to tell you, I didn't do. I don't even know what these charges are for, except that one shot I get once a month, which is most of them. Well, no, didn't you have? Didn't you well, have oh no, this is for May. This is for May and into June, and all it is is this one shot I get for once a month that is billed out at. Close to, well, I think it's eight thousand dollars. Oh yeah, well, you know, that's like once a uh, month. The medication, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, You're let's stop talking about it. It's just three vials. Okay, it's just a, it. You would have to be insane to come up with the system we have. This is insanity. Well, no, okay, so explain to me this. I think I've brought this up before. Explain to me why a cancer patient with a you know pretty much dire diagnosis is required to buy his medication three months huh. at a time <laughs> at a cost of fifteen thousand dollars theoretically well you tell me why because they're all they end up and, coming you know, out ahead and i can assure you that when my husband was no more we had two months of untouched medication which then has to be destroyed it cannot be reused. Disgusting. It's, I mean, really. Even though it's unopened, seal unbroken, doesn't matter. Yeah. This is what they, yeah. And we say we have a free market here. And we, and we have people that want to keep this system. Are they out of their minds? What? Okay, never mind. Okay, I just wanted to say it because every time it hits me, like getting one of those stupid statements, um, I, I just go, I, I just, I, I feel despair. Jeez. Okay, enough. Oh. So. <laughs> Our health care system explained. It doesn't work. It, may, it is insane. 
Yes, if, you if you know, put kindergartners in a room. There's long lines and rationing. There's rationing in the countries where they have it. I'm just going to remind you, we got rationing here. You can either afford it or you can't. And here's another way you have rationing here. Who was I talking to the other day? They needed to see a doctor immediately. Oh, it was our own mother. She had a issue, and she wanted to see uh, an ENT, ear, nose, and throat person, or an audiologist. And um, the soonest, there weren't any. No, the soonest she could get in was November. For something that right. is occurring right now, right. November doesn't cut the mustard. You can, I, and, and, and that's not rationing? That's not having to get in a line? Um, why do you think these, uh, you know, these things have popped up all over the country, these, uh, you know, urgent care centers or whatever they're called, wherever you are? Urgent care centers popped up because that's, that's the preferred way of delivering medicine now. I mean, they Because are, it's preferred for the customers. under insurance policies. Well, but the customer, you can actually go and see someone <laughs> you when you need to see, see them. Somebody. But they exist as much as they exist because the insurance companies are and and employee and employers are 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 reimbursing those easier than getting in to see a doctor or a certain doctor. I mean, it, the healthcare system is slanted is is slanting towards this kind of delivery, which is and and <laughs> if you're seeing you're seeing a cultural change occurring simply because of the way insurance of covers course. it, of the way the current policy, I don't know who's making it, but that's, it, we are being insurance herded. Don't think lobbyists. it's choice. Don't Ins think it's capitalism. No, I know. Insurance lobby, lobbyists are, are deciding. We are being herded. Herded away into from, these places. Away from the, our own family doctor model. Right, that does exactly. Not exist. Exactly. So you'll see whoever there is there and who won't know you from Adam and doesn't have any. It's okay. Let's stop and because they see irretrievably no broken. Having a, a relationship with the doctor. Right. All right. Okay. Enough. So did you hear about the case at NYU of the uh, feminist professor? Was she NYU or Columbia? NYU. The oh, yes, feminist and professor shame those, and she shame on those people that rushed to her defense. Okay, so here's a woman for those of you who don't know, who over years uh, totally sexually uh, harassed and abused uh, a student uh, who was, uh, I guess she was his advisor and his professor, yep. and um, this is a young man. And here, here's the real funny part about this whole story. Um, she identifies as queer. He is gay and, in fact, is now married to a man. And he is a visiting fellow at Harvard. The woman, he's 34, the woman who is 66, the professor, denies any harassment whatsoever and yet there is a trail of emails and stuff from her to him that are just beyond belief and he has said um i mean this is exactly the kind of stuff if you see it re in a reversed power right he, he 
and he didn't know what to do. Right, he didn't know what to do. And she, here's one of her emails. Um, And it's after she had asked him to accompany her to Paris. And, of course, there was just one room for both of them. They, They didn't have intercourse, it doesn't seem, but she made him lie with her. She put his hands on her breast. She touched him, cuddled with him, blah, blah, blah. And she writes him this. I woke up with a slight fever and sore throat. I will try very hard not to kiss you until the throat receives security clearance. This is not an easy deferral. And then, again, another email. Time for your midday kiss, which is, of course, my image during meditation. We're on the sofa, your head on my lap, stroking your forehead, playing softly with your hair, soothing you. Yes? And a bunch of female professor women have come to her defense and saying that Title X, which is what allowed him to bring these, uh, this complaint, was, um, was meant for women <laughs> and was intended to address the history of sexual harassment and assault of women. And, um, and consequently, uh, he shouldn't be able to use it or something. Unbelievable. Well, and shame on him. No, Title Ten is, you know. Shame on him. Shame on, that was not a him. Uh, shame on them. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, when I was reading that this morning and I was, and I was just hanging my head. It's unbelievable. I mean, I mean at, 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 the, at the hypocrisy. If, and at the unwillingness to admit that women can be every bit as Excuse awful me, title as nine. men. <laughs> that it's about power. It's right. Not about sex, it's about it's not power. It's not about gender. It's about yeah. power. Yeah. Yeah. It's about taking what you want because you can. It's power. And shame on anyone that says it's okay for us but wrong for you. Listen to this. Diane Davis, chair of the Department of Rhetoric at the University of Texas, also signed the letter to NYU supporting the professor. And she said she and her colleagues were particularly disturbed uh, because Mr. Reitman was using Title IX, excuse me, Title IX. Um, I am, of course, very supportive, she says, of what Title IX is trying to do. Um, and the Me Too effort as well, of their efforts to confront and to prevent abuses. But it is for that very reason that it is so disappointing when this incredible energy for justice is twisted and turned against itself, which is what many of us believe is happening in this case. What the F? This is a professor and she thinks it's being twisted? No, it's not. It's no, simply it's being, it's being applied even inclusively. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, NYU has suspended her. NYU is treating this seriously. NYU has acted absolutely appropriately. They they investigated immediately and then they suspended her. She's got a year off. Unbelievable. 
another woman in, I think, in Germany who is a um, a uh, esteemed neurobiologist, I think, who wrote, who writes about empathy, mm-hmm. who has been mm-hmm. thrown out of her job for her distinct lack the of lack era. of empathy. I saw that too. I, I have that story somewhere because <laughs> it is so friggin' funny. She was such a mean. It, here it is. Mean, here it is. Nasty broad. Right, it is. She's world renowned for studying empathy. Her colleagues say she's an intimidating bully. <laughs> she is nobody can stand working for her. She is like, but if you were to like be doing a serious, uh, you know, whatever symposium or anything on empathy, I mean, this neuroscientist she's is the your, she's your broad. She's but the go-to I, I person, to, you know, and and she was meanest to pregnant women. You know, oh, that's right, right, meanest to pregnant, right, meanest to pregnant women. Uh, and they're saying no she one left cr- her office without it, without, without crying. crying. It said whenever anyone had a meeting with her, there was at least an even chance that they would come out in tears. This is the expert on empathy. <laughs> and here's what it so, shows I you. Mean, that's a woman too. That's a woman professor. That's a woman too. So you know, I'm I I am for getting rid of abusive. People, people in power, people. no matter where they fall on whatever gender spectrum. Exactly. Being abusive to Jeez. others, no matter where they fall along the gender spectrum, is not allowed, period. And, and what is so hard to comprehend about that? No, what is so hard? I don't know. Or to own up to. And yeah, I, women can be... Every bit is god awful as men. I've watched it. I mean, I, I, I'd have to tell you, I'd be lying if I didn't say, please God, not a woman boss more than once. Well, that's not necessarily true. Well, no, because there were a couple that were no. Tra- well, but I, they're no dip. Men and women in that regard, given power, are no different. Probably not. That's what I'm saying. Although, though, I don't know. I think women might be a little bit better. Because I they hope, know, would, because they do know. I would want them to be, but we well, are sitting know. here talking about an awful lot of instances when a we're lot talking of about them are failing the test. Okay, we're talking about two now. and I. But we're also talking about all those women that wrote that letter in support of an abusive woman, like all the men, you right. know, like the people at CBS that really don't want to get rid of uh, Les Moonves or whatever his name is. That's right. Okay. Um, there was a story out of Michigan some, maybe a month ago. It was a federal court case. I was so astonished by the finding that I did talk about it on the show. Um, It's come up again. Susan, this was a case out of uh, Detroit, where a number of students and I believe their parents uh, sued the school system uh, saying that uh, their civil rights had been violated because they had a constitution. the quality of the school. Right. They had a right to literacy. Let's put it that way. Because right. people literally graduating from this high school right. were illiterate. Can't read or write. Right, right, right. And um, 
And the judge, I'll never, and here it is. Here's what he says. The conditions of plaintiff's schools and the outcomes are nothing short of devastating. When a child who could be taught to read goes untaught, the child suffers a lasting injury, and so does society. But (laughs) the court is faced with a discreet question. Does the due process clause demand that a state affirmatively, affirmatively provide each child with a defined minimum level of education? The answer to the question is no. And so they lost the case. Um, And this is mind-blowing to me. And now there are are other cases that are being put forward and trying to use different arguments, saying, and here's the argument they're trying to, to use, to get around the fact that nowhere in the Constitution does the word school or education or literacy or a right for children well, to look receive... look at the time that the Constitution was written. Well, yeah. They uh, didn't expect that everybody had it. Okay. It's amazing, though, that up until this time there has been no court precedent on the federal level that, in fact, that this is obviously something. And somebody's come up, and let's hope that this one works. Attorneys are trying a new tactic... They are arguing that an illiterate adult is unable to participate as a full citizen in a democratic republic. They would find it obviously difficult to hold a job, to apply for a job, to uh, read a ballot, to vote, and consequently... Uh, not being able to be literate, uh, it should, I mean, being illiterate should be seen as a violation of their rights. Um, I don't know. Uh, here's what the... It's going to be hard. And here's I, what Michigan... It it, Susan, listen to this. Just listen how vile this is. Here's the Attorney General of Michigan who argue, and who won the case. And he said this, although there are many important aspects of living in the United States, the mere fact that something is important doesn't mean there's a constitutional right to it. For example, although it is certainly important for a person to have shelter, the Constitution doesn't create a right to governmental provision of adequate shelter And so, um, here's what makes people hate lawyers and the legal establishment, that that this is, that you can, you know, argue like that, and in fact, that argument wins in the way of our system of justice. And they say state officials also argued that the suit failed to trace the ills of the schools to any action by the state. The schools are crumbling. There are rats moving from classroom to classroom. There are no books. One of the kids who brought the suit was the valedictorian of one of these schools. And he did not get in 
He had the highest SAT scores in the school. He was, uh, and he could not get in to a college. He he ended up at a community college, having to take uh, re what do you call that? Uh, remedial everything. Remedial everything. That's the valedictorian. No fault of his. He was a hard-working student. He was given no education. They said they really didn't even have teachers. They would have substitutes who would come in regularly and simply keep order. That's all that was done. And so the very idea that you need a literate electorate it seems to me that that is what the Founding Fathers said. I'm always saying that they said that you need an informed citizenry to be able to retain this government. Well, let's hope that you can pin a whole lot of uh, right into the word informed. I mean, I don't disagree with you, and I would say that one of the reasons that there isn't, you know, something... Uh, more clad in stone is that there have been state law. It used to be um, sort of a universal acceptance that uh, the public should get educated and we should have a good public school system. Duh. I mean, it, it started it, it, that you know, aside from little bumps in the road like segregated schools, etc. There was nonetheless the idea that everybody deserved a, a schoolroom and, and a teacher, and that in particular with our immigrant populations, it was seen as a way to assimilate, to learn the language, to get a foothold, to, to begin their lives in the United States. And it has always been seen by the community as a good thing to support until a very late when we have decided to demonize children to not support to not support our schools and to claim that we love our children more than anybody else. I Arnie Duncan was never my favorite education secretary, but what he said the other day that we claim to be a country that that treasures our children and holds them, oh. you know, in the highest um. esteem and we don't educate them, we refuse to pay for good schools, we demonize our children and we treasure our guns more than them. And I agreed with everything he said. Hey, speaking of treasure our guns more than them, do you see the latest, um, the latest idea that our brilliant uh, government has come up with for dealing with the fact that you know guns being such an ex such like apple pie and motherhood uh, in America, and guns having now made their uh, way into our children's schools and classrooms, um, they, they've come up with another way to deal with this. The about the Florida plan? The Department of Homeland Security has posted notice of a grant. Just letting you all know because maybe you can uh, get it. And this grant will award close to $2 million to create a program to teach high school students how to stop bleeding. Oh, for heaven's sake. <coughs> I have to say we learned that in health class um, anyway. Uh, not the kind of bleed, I don't know. 
And here's what the here's you what got a pack of gunshot. Yeah, wounds? right. Here's what the here's what yeah. the here's what the grant proposal says. Similar to how students learn health education and driver's education, they must learn proper bleeding control using commonly available materials, including how to use their hands, dressings, and tourniquets. And this is in response to the fact that our children are dying in schools because we cannot come to terms with our obscene love of guns. I, this is beyond belief to me. It is beyond belief. Uh, yeah, that was in the New York Times today. Anyway, so the grant's there. If you want to come up with the curriculum, you got two million bucks you can get. Isn't that something? Right. Jeez. Okay, so then one more legal and story. And I was um, not surprised to find out that uh, my um, late state of residency, Missouri, come, falls short in places to have a baby. And gee, I think it's because they keep closing down all the women's health centers, a.k.a. Planned Parenthood. You mean people don't have a place to have a baby? They, they, there's no place to access prenatal care for poor women. Yeah. Oh, well. Here's oh, a, well. Yeah. I mean, if here. they don't think that that's a direct, that, that all about all they're caring for the unborn does is, 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 you know, is make it hard for women that want their babies to have healthy ones. Here's a little factoid. At least 85 rural hospitals have totally shut down uh, since 2010, while others have dramatically cut back. This is, again, back to our health system, right? While others have dramatically cut back on services. Listen to this. It's now estimated that fewer than half of the rural counties in the United States have a hospital and have a hospital that offers obstetric care. That's and right. this is forcing and you women. Know why? why, Susan? I'll tell you why. Because the insurance, the malpractice insurance for obstetricians is so obscenely high that people don't go into the field. Rural hospitals are hurting financially because of cuts to public health insurance programs and a mm. refusal by many states to expand Medicaid. That's the bigger That's issue. right. That's what happened in Missouri. And these, I mean, okay, so these rural counties, Susan. Republican policies. Yeah. Oh, this but. is Republican counties, rural. Yeah. Putting in place people who end up closing down their hospitals, refusing them access to basic health care, and they continue to vote for them? You well, know what? Gee, and you I, also, those very same legislators, using Missouri as an example, passed this law, the Bright to Work law, over the objections of 60, you know, later to find out that it was representing nobody's constituents, it was defeated 66 to 33 
with 50 percent of Republicans voting against, against it. This their, is against uh, it. So you know, this and, was a referendum. Right. In the whole state, right? Yeah, and this is, and everybody in the whole state is just waiting for the legislature to go back in and, and pass it again. Pass it again. Uh, which right, they which do. They routinely do. Right, which they do because they, they, they are serving time. their corporate masters. It has nothing, I mean, and no matter how clearly they demonstrate that they don't give two. Well, then why don't they vote for these people? Their but own I, constituents. Don't ask me why they keep getting, why they keep voting for them. Wow, I got no health care. Wow, you know, I got no, I, I can't get a union job. I, they ain't going to pay me anymore. Wow, they're, you know, they're leaving in droves because there's no schools out here. Wow. You know, this is working really well for me. Don't ask me. Or we're all farmers, and, you know, and, <laughs> I mean, and really. The yeah, the I'm a soybean farmer, well and I'm good. Yeah, I know. I, Jesus H. I just, yeah. Okay. I, uh, I give up. Um, yeah. Okay, I know. Well, let's see what happens. I will be watching this midterm, you know, with great interest. Oh, you? Who the hell? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sure I'm not alone. So, I have one more judicial story, Susan. Okay. This has to do with another part of the law that is sort of radical, attempting to move the law in a certain direction. And it has to do with an eight-year-old horse. Yeah, and I know this one, too. Okay, <laughs> well, this, this horse um, was found uh, 300 pounds <sighs> underweight. His uh, coat lice-ridden, his skin scabbed, his genitals so frostbitten that they might have to be amputated. This all because his uh, previous owner was a vile human being, and he did plead guilty to uh, criminal animal neglect. And the poor horse was sent to a rescue uh, place um, and is now being well cared for and treated. But um, the rescue place has put out you know, close to $100,000 for veterinary care. And so they've sued uh, to get the, co they've for the animal, <laughs> they are suing for the animal's pain and suffering and to get the money to care for the animal. Uh that's such a loser case. I mean, and I think there's, and it, when it seems to me that there's such a more straightforward cause of action that you know they that the people that were forced to give the care in lieu of the owner have a right to go against the owner to recover their losses at his at the expense of his actions. But animals, I mean, written into every bit of the law, are only worth what their value is stock is stock. And, you know, if your beloved cat is burned up in a fire and it's an alley cat, it's worth nothing. And if your beloved cat is burned up in a, you know, in a fire at a, at a, at a boarding place and, 
and you have papers proving that that cat is worth $3,000, that cat is worth $3,000. And that's the beginning and the end of it. There is no such right for animals, and, and I don't think a judge is allowed to create it out of whole cloth. Okay, right now, though, but I'm saying this is a developing area of the law. More than 150 law schools now have, uh, have courses in animal law. And some states have created animal law prosecutorial units. All 50 states now do have felony penalties, felony penalties for animal abuse. And Connecticut last year became the first state to allow courts to appoint law lawyers as advocates in animal cruelty cases. So I okay. think That's, this oh, it's all is... Good, but, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. They had to create a right. They do, and they're trying to, and this case is another way of, of pushing that, I guess. Yeah, but, but the, um, what I'm saying is that it seems to me legally that it fails until the legislature acts first. That is, that is sort of the way our country goes, and to the extent that people scream that, uh, you know, uh, that the law is inappropriately, um, you know, <laughs> I'm creating sorry, law from the bench, this is the stuff that does it. Susan. And, and what I'm saying is, as I, if I were sitting and hearing this case, I, as a judge, would gently ask the, uh, the, the complainant to uh, rework their thing, to, to go under a clause which I would then freely admit that they could claim. Yeah. You know, th that's why I don't like this, that it's tortured. Okay, but you know what? So some of these things, yeah, seem a little out there. I mean, but you so understand example, what they are because there is no such thing as pain and suffering in a horse. I, you and I. Well, I mean, there is, it's but it's not legal. Well, standard. of course there is, but not under the law. Uh, yeah, I understand. Which is why, and forgive me, but that's why, in uh, you know, uh, Dickens said the law is an ass. But also. Not, That's not, not why only not it. for the animal, but not for the human that owns the animal. So if I, as the owner, lost my cats in a fire in a boarding place, I couldn't sue for my own pain and suffering because of my loss I understand. of fear Fido. I understand. But you know, in legal, in, in divorce cases, animal custody stuff is becoming every bit as fraught as child custody. Um, so yep, but they're, only they're, to the point that they can be treated as chattel. That's, okay, but I'll uh, fine, but women were treated as chattel until when? You know? Uh, like yesterday. Yeah, July. pretty much. So, okay. So listen to here. There was a case in 2012 that sued um, uh, the Navy uh, on behalf of the world's uh, dolphins and everybody else because of their use of sonar, which totally screws right. these animals up. Right. Um, right. Also, there was a suit uh, on, uh, for the five orcas still at SeaWorld in, I think, 2012, which said their captivity was a violation of the 13th Amendment's prohibition on slavery. Now, you know that's a loser. You just know that's a loser. But the, I think these things are done to just start building a basis to win. Here's a funny one, i got to tell you. 
This spring, a federal appeals court ruled, (laughs) a federal appeals court, Susan, it got that high, ruled that a crested macaque, that'd be a boyd, a crested macaque that took its own photo could not sue for copy. Oh, a macaque is not a bird. Is it an animal? It's, I mean, no, a monkey? I think it's, I think a it's, monkey. It's a monkey. I think it's a monkey. That's right, right, right. A federal appeals court ruled that a crested macaque that took its own photo could not sue for copyright protection. <laughs> I mean, okay. I would agree that okay. a crested macaque that took its own picture should not. But yeah. there are other cases recently for um, captive uh, lab animals and stuff. And, uh, you know, eventually, uh, when you see how the court rules in these, and then you look back at how the court ruled in, in, uh, in cases involving slaves, humans, it's no different. Or, I mean, let's, 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 let's go to a more obvious choice for, for now. If a corporation has corporate rights and a voice, then why the hell doesn't uh, Fido? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, we took we took a little device written into one law to empower the public against big corporations, and uh, and turned it around on its head, as these feminists are complaining about with Title Ten, and used it against the little guy with Citizens United. Um, but that's. Actually, you know, I mean, if you're, they had a way to do it. They couldn't make it up out of whole cloth. So as these these things start to come with the right courts, then the law might emerge. But you have to start legislatively a little bit. Yeah, right. But, yeah. Okay. So there you have it. Just want to say, the and the animal is... uh, is called um, well he wasn't but when he was uh, brought to the shelter his they changed his name from Shadow to Justice. <laughs> uh, and speaking of animals, Susan, I have to. And tell you know, well, in other cases, the is the elephants in the circus. You know, they've well, yeah. all been. Speaking of animals, Susan. After the show, yeah. I am going to pick up my dog. <gasps> Did you get the one we were discussing? No, that dog's gone. What are you getting? I just, well, when I got back from Green Bay, I saw I was out of fish food. So I went over to where I get my fish food, which is a pet shop that does have rescue cats and dogs. Right. And I said to myself, go look. And I thought, oh, I just had, I got to go look. So there were a bunch of puppies, so cute you could die. And then there was a sad-looking soul with one of those um, collars on that keeps her from... Right, with a don't bite with the... the what do they call those with the lampshade on her? You know, they, yeah, the oh, lampshade. Oh, no, I, I forget what they call them, but oh, my God. It was cute. It was a cute little white scruffy thing. 
and um, and then next to her was this was the dog I got. Um, he ain't pretty, but you know how these things happen. It just I looked at him and I thought I could save you, couldn't I? Okay, so I'm getting him. He's um, they think he has a lot of bull terrier in him. Uh-huh. He's not big and he's not small, and he's sweet. I took him for a little walk, and does he have a pug nose? Sort of. He's got like yeah, one of those not a pug nose, but he's got sort of a foreshortened uh, snout, uh-huh. and um, he's mostly black, but he's got one leg that is white with black spots, and he has little black ears that go up and then fold over and of he course he does well that he's a terrier absolutely well he's he's sweet and i think he's very smart and the woman there who takes care of the dog says oh he's my favorite now here's the weird thing i said well i i'll be back i said i gotta think about this i i'll be back and so i had to go work out with my trainer and after I told her, I got to go see this dog again. I got to get this together. And she said, do you want me to go with you? And I said, oh, yes, please. So she came with me. Now, here's the weird thing. I hadn't even noticed. When we got back, that's the first thing she saw. The dog's name uh, was D-I-N-O. That's the name they had given him. That's her nickname. Dino? Dino. That's her nickname. The trainer. Oh. And she said, oh, my God, he's got my, well, that was it. So that was sealed. It must be fate. He has my, oh, my God. And she is the one who has that band called Dinosaur. D-I-N-O. Right. right. Dinosaur. And they're good. Um, Yeah. So, my God. I mean, then that was it. It was done. It was a, uh, yeah. So I'm picking him up today because I wanted to sort of just get all the accoutrements. Um, ready, ready. And I have to go, actually, first I have to go home and build. How old is, how old is Dino? Um, probably about a year and a half. Oh, good. Youngster. Relative. But, tra- but trained. Well, trained initially, they think, but then he's been in a shelter for so long that he has some accidents. So he's got to be sort of, okay. yeah, retrained. I When I was walking him, there was a peal of thunder. He didn't give a damn. I thought, yes, he's not afraid of thunder. Good. So whatever. Um, so I'm a nervous wreck. I cannot, when I woke up this morning, I thought, this is the last day I will wake up and not have to immediately attend to a dog. So my congratulations. And you will get up now. I get and and I mean every time I'm grumbling about okay, get up. And then I get outside, I'm walking my dog and I'm and I'm enjoying the hell out of the morning. Okay. It's just it's I'm going to have to get up a lot earlier though. I'm, yeah, because I still have well, to prepare so for the show. <laughs> I keep getting up early. Anyway, I'm glad. I'm sure. I'm glad. You'll figure I out did a it. schedule. But I'm just, yeah, right now a little nervous. And I really, I have to tell you, I don't like the name. And now if I change his well, name. Well, change it. To what? I'm no good at names. 
Is there anything that starts with D that he might, you know, still that that be a good name? Anybody got any ideas? You know, this is how Smudge Lemieux Darryl. got her name. Who? Daryl? Did you say no? Daryl, Daryl, and his other brother Daryl. Then I, then I was thinking maybe I could just name him after my, the last animal I had who I adored so much, a black cat named Dylan. Although that's not Dylan. Yeah, let him be Dylan again. The resurrection of Dylan. I yeah, could. Yeah, Dylan too. But meanwhile, my trainer will be upset. Don't tell her. Well, what do you mean? Don't tell her. She'll know. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, that's my big news, and yeah, I'm a new mother, almost. Well, just well, congratulations. Just tell her that why while the name was indeed a sign that you should take him, you have traditionally always re rechristened your 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 but that's not animals true. as they <laughs> entered your home. Okay, that's a lie though. Oh oh, I say rechristened, well, not taken the name that they were. Right. Do you know what? I mean, my God, the names. Because sometimes shelters, I can't imagine where they get these names. Uh, Dylan had been Dillinger, which is fine, but I didn't like the criminal uh, sort of. Yeah, Ernie was Pattinger. Pattinger? Jeez. And my little sweet little cat, Addie, was, get this, Forsyth. Who the (laughs) hell would name a a little cute. Well, especially that cat. I know. Uh, here, Forsyth. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, so, but, you know, like some people are really good at names. Like, you know, when I took in my friend Robin's uh, cat, you know, that was Bonnie Mertz. That's a good name. Well, she always had good names. Okay. And then I thought Smudge Lemieux was a good name, but that was my my audience Smudge name. Smudge Lemieux was a good name. But the audience named it. Okay, you've got until tomorrow to give me a great name. Ideally, starting with a D. Otherwise, I think he's going to be Dylan. So. All right. Okay. So well, the big. I'm lo- very excited for I know. you, and I'm, oh, I'm oh, happy. Oh. And life changing. Well, you do, you belong with an animal. I, that didn't come out right. <laughs> you're. You, <laughs> Let's just put it this way. I have, for the last, what, now, three months, not had an animal in my house. And I, I, it just doesn't seem right. I know. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Oh, it was like our mother, um... Clutching the arm of my uh, my daughter's bow, and and uh, as he thanked her for being included, and she goes included. I want you. And I said, I said, back off, mom. That's a little creepy. <laughs> what did she mean? Oh no, well she, she didn't mean. She, li- she likes this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Onward. Um. Oh, we've got calls, so maybe we got some ideas. Oh, good. All right. Hello. Hi, Sue. Hi. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm good. We're fine. 
Um, I'll tell you what, I've, I've been in the animal movement for 30 years, and um, I've adopted many a rescue animal, and finding the names for them, I, you almost, when you meet them and look at them, they're going to tell you their names, and um, it's more like, um, it usually will go to a nickname, you know, uh, like, um, um, and, and I don't even know where the origin well, of that comes from. Yeah, but you know what I want? I want a name that I don't feel like an idiot calling. You know what I mean? Because a dog you have to call sometimes in a public setting. I mean, you don't want to say something stupid. Um, yeah, I tell you what, and I've, I, I've had I've had a Raul, and uh, the neighbors still laugh at me uh, outside hollering Raul, Raul. I mean that's. See, yeah, that's what I mean. Anymore. Okay. Raul. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't Raul. sound right. And, and, and with Dina, what about um, uh, something like just, hey, D, hey, D, because you're going to cut it short. That's what I guess what you do. You're just going to say, hey, D, or hey, hon, hey, whatever. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. Uh, you're like, right. I, I mean. I uh, have a dog. Rico, as as you both have, you've you've met Rico, and um, uh, I just call him Ricky Deaky. I don't know where it comes from. Hey, Ricky Deaky, it's just these little. Well, I know, of course. I mean, the one you love. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, it'll it'll come. It'll whatever. Yeah. It'll just. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. They're going to yeah. tell you. Okay. They but will. You do know, Lynn, that a male dog. He's gonna he's gonna ha- uh, like and being young. I don't know how long he was uh, neutered, but he's going to, he might be trying to mark his territory, a lift in the leg thing. And the only advice that I have is what you put in comes out. So if you're trying to um, establish a, you don't pee or, or mess in the house, it's about what you put in. Okay, you okay. Know, so don't no, feed him. Don't worry. You know, I'm on, on it. On a schedule. It's getting that I, schedule. And, and if he does have an accident, clean it up with whatever you clean it up with. Take it. Take the rag or the towel or whatever outside for him to say, oh, okay, just to establish it. And furthermore, crate training. I believe in crate training because. I do too. Not uh, to worry. You know, I've got a crate. Not to worry. It's a security Thank thing for dogs. Are, are I know. I know. It's a good thing. Right. Every dog that I've ever crate, had crate training, they are just a more secure animal. Right. Thank you. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right. I am too. I'll, I, I'll give you updates. I will. I'll tell you what, I, I wouldn't be here without my dog. Okay. Raul. No, no, just saying. Yeah. Okay, Raul's I know, but I, you know, he can hear me Raul. in the other world. Okay, bye. He was 22 years old, and we actually had a, a, a memorial for him when he died, because he went everywhere with me. Okay, thank you. Okay. It's funny, I mean, a memorial with pictures, and, and we, it was, we made a good time out of it. For a dog. Hey, I love you guys. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, Beth has said, D names, Dakota, Native American, uh, Dustin. Drew. Dog. That's what I end up calling Ernie anyway. Yeah, dog. Dog. Drew. Mr. Dog. You know what's interesting? Remember, it's just been relatively recently that we all started giving animals human names. 
They used to be, right. you know. What's wrong with Fido? Fido. Spot. He has spots. He could be Spot. Um, I appreciate all the offers here. I mean, Margaret says she named her dog Waffles. That's cute, but this is no Waffles, I assure you. Um, <laughs> How about Spike? No, he's not a Spike either. He's too sweet. How about, I don't know, what the hell. Well, you know, Ernie named himself. I couldn't. He wasn't going to say Space Passenger or he's hearing me. Um, he heard you say Ernie. He, he, well, I tell Ernie he's got, a, he's got a cousin. Not that he'll give it to I damn. will. He'll be very excited. No, he won't. <laughs> I know Ernie. He won't care. As a matter of fact, he might be offended. So, Susan, did you see the thing about the guy on his 100th birthday in Seattle? We should introduce him to Mom. i got to tell you. No, what did he do? He celebrated his 100th birthday by falling out of a plane at 14,000 feet. No, Mom's not going to do that. (laughs) 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 She's going to attribute her longevity to not jumping out of airplanes. Okay, he looks cute as can be. You sure he wasn't pushed? No, he was not only not pushed, his name is Stu Williamson, and he has now set his sights on becoming the world's oldest parachutist. Now, he knows who the record holder is. The record holder is an Englishman who performed a jump when he was 101 years and 38 days. So, uh, I got to tell you, Stu Williamson says, all right, I got to live another year and two months. I'm going to bump him out. Cool. So, Stu Williamson. Well, I, I, I took mom shopping when, when we were here. We went to, the, we went to Nordstrom, and, and the, the, the subject of her age came up, as it always does, and turns out there's a, this guy disappears and brings up a 96-year-old shoe salesman. <laughs> he goes, I'm what, I'm supposed to stay home and wait to die? And then and he, and he says, nice to meet you. And then I go off and I hear him selling a pair of shoes to a very young woman, explaining to her that the heel that she's got on is the new heel. She'll be able to wear it for you know, a couple of years before it starts to phase oh, out cute. again. It looks good on her leg. I mean, did this guy know his business or what? And he was, wow, had a lot of energy, and he was working. Wow. Yeah. I love that. looked a whole lot better. <laughs> well, but he's obviously in good shape. Oh, he's, he's in great good. shape. It was just cute as can be. And, yeah. And, you know, clearly earned his keep. It's like the woman that sells me my, my spectacle frames. She's 82. Wow. Oh, Milton, Milton, I like this one. He says, how about one of your favorite authors, Dickens? That's good. That is good. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I like Dickens. I like Dickens, too. Scared the Dickens out of me. Does it have to be Dickens? Can it be Dickens? Well, then we get down to Dick. <laughs> this might not be good. You know how you do no. keep 
Yeah, I know. You can't yell, hey, Dick. No. Oh, he's going through all these, uh, <laughs> you know, these, um, uh, uh, these Dickens characters. <laughs> and he did have a Mr. Dick, but he had a, uh, a Dombey. No. Yeah. Dorrit. No. Yeah, but that Dorrit was a woman. Well, so what? Duff. Who here's one? Dirtles. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a dog's name? Dumbledore. I'm not doing Dumbledore. I'm not doing anything having to do with. Uh. Okay. How about Dudley? Dudley. Dudley do right. I like Dudley. But that shortens down to Dud. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't, okay, yeah, well, we're off time. We're over time. Okay, whatever. We are? Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. Jeez. <laughs> well, goodbye. <laughs> See ya. It was good seeing you. I'm Mazel Tov. Thank may, you. May, may whoever... Uh, A.K.A. Dino, uh, live long, healthy, healthy, and keep you uh, up and running. Right, right, right. Thank you, Suze. Okay, bye. 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 All right, you guys, that was my big news. I got a guest tomorrow. His name is Foo. That's all I have to say. I ain't saying no more. And uh, see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.